You can open your Bibles to Philippians 4 this morning. I'm going to take a, a break for these couple of weeks from Luke. And I want to talk to you about too bright. All right. We're in the winter. Yeah, just bring it down a little more. A little more. Good. Um, the coming year. Are you thinking about next year? Or you don't want to think about next year during Christmas? What is God preparing to do in your lives next year? Life tends to just be on this weekly routine. We just go through the motions. You got to get to work, get your kids to school, maybe get to church, do whatever the weekly things are. It's so important that you periodically stop and pay attention to what the Lord is doing. And learn to do that because in the middle of the routine and the ruts that we get into, God is doing something. And it's important that you see those things or you may get caught off guard in the coming year. The Christian life is constantly changing. I used to think I'm going to get everything perfectly set. And there it is. My life is in order. But as soon as you do that, something changes, doesn't it? And so there's three questions I want to ask you to consider this morning. Number one, <clears throat> what has God been doing this year? Make a bullet point list. Look back on the year and, and consider what were the surprise or blessing things that God did in your life this year? Take note of those things. They weren't just one-time things and passed. Second, what changes need to happen in your life? I didn't mean to get personal, but I have to once in a while. And you all know there are certain things in your life that are not working. It could be some little thing. I'm not talking about horrible sin or something. But there are things that little habits that you get away with that are holding you back. What are those things, those little indulgences? And third, what is it that you think God is preparing you for next year? You probably have some glimpse of it, and maybe you don't know fully what it is, but if you had to write something down, write it down. Because you might be more right than you realize. It's something just to write down. Have you ever written a prayer list? a wish list, and then put it away and gotten it out years later and you realize all those things happened? 
So these dream lists or these wish lists, you realize that the Lord is getting us thinking about what he wants to do next. And in the middle of whatever hardship you might be going through, God is working. It's so, it's so easy to just be focused on whatever is hard as if whatever that problem is, is completely preventing God from working. And actually, it may be the mechanism God is using to get you unstuck and moving forward. Paul said in Philippians 1.6 that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Philippians 2.13, God is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do you believe that? Okay. So God's not just working around you in circumstances. He's working in you, in your heart, in your thinking. And they may be things that are blessing you or things that are buffeting you. God is at work to keep you from getting stuck. I like to get stuck. I like things to be safe and predictable. But God pushes me because he wants me to keep moving forward. A life verse of mine is Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are God's workmanship. The Greek word is poema. It's a, it sounds like poem. You are God's artwork. You are God's poem. He's writing your life. And so imagine that that God has prepared a good work for you to do yet in the future. Maybe you're already doing it, but even in doing it, he's, it's preparation for something still to come. Do you want to be ready for that good work? Amen? Okay. That means we have the assurance that God is working now. If you are willing to prepare you for that good work. So Romans 8, 28, I didn't put it in my notes, but another verse that God has really taught me in my life. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. I don't know how it, how it happens, but God is able to take anything that goes on in my life and use it for my good. They might even be things that were my mistakes. Now, the condition for using what's going on around you for your good is that you love God. That means your heart is open to him. And you ultimately want his purpose to get worked out. If you don't love God, you really just love yourself. And you really don't want God's purpose. Then all these things around you are not working for your good. Your life is hard and it's going to get harder. 
That's my comforting message this morning. Your life is hard and it's going to get harder. And the Bible says the way of the sinner is difficult, is hard. And as a young man, I remember thinking life is way too hard for, for me to miss out on what God wants for me. I just want what the Lord wants for me. And I think of all of what I've just said for the church as well. What does God want to do in our church next year? And so I look back on this year for the church, and it's important to take note of what the Lord has done in this, really this year and a half that I've been here at the church. We've increased attendance. We've increased in community outreach. Our home groups are growing. We've added to our ministry teams. We are uh, thinking of more missions outreach, um, possibly a, a missions trip to Mexico next summer. We're adding a young adults group. Thank you, Brad and Amber uh, Krieger, for sensing the Lord doing that. One thing that's on my prayer list is whether we should be here in the mall. Now, this is a great room. It's comfortable here. We've done really good outreach here. Many of you, I don't know if you were here uh, when we did the Easter egg hunt over Easter weekend, but we had about 2,500 people from Albany come here to the mall that Saturday morning for an Easter egg hunt. That was quite an amazing outreach. Thank you, Tanner. 12,000 eggs spread around the mall. It was divine chaos. And so you can't, you can't just plan. You plan things, but then you watch God work. There's been good things accomplished here, but I will tell you it costs a lot of money to be here. And so because this is your church, I'm telling you, and that money that we pay for rent is really way too much money for a church our size to be paying in monthly, monthly cost. And that money can be going to other things like just staffing and outreach and missions and those things. So this was the, the option at the time. But let me tell you, the, probably the biggest miracle, I think, in this church is the fact that this church still exists. Over the past two and a half, three years, this church has been through four things that would kill most churches. You want to know what they are? That was not convincing. You want to know what they are? Okay. Because many of you are newer to the church and, and you're not aware of the testimony. The church moved from Deaver Connor. That's a big move. The church changed its name from Deaver Connor Calvary Chapel to Verbatim Church. People go, what's verbatim? Um, it went through COVID, which was hard on most churches around the country. and you got a new pastor. Say amen. 
Okay, those four things, pick two of those four things to, to really wear out a church. And the Lord has sustained this church through all of that. And not just sustained the church and not just provided for the church, the fact that we've been able to cover our monthly expenses for the past two years being here is really a miracle. And God has done that. Um, but I'm asking for other options from the Lord. So what else is out in, in around the town of Albany that would be a good, a good option for us? And in the time being here, we have discovered the purpose of this church in the community of Albany. That's, that is big to discover. Why does this church exist? Pastor Chuck used to tell us, why does your church exist? Now, I attended Calvary Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck Smith was my pastor, but I've sat through many, many pastors' conferences where pastors from all over the world would come together, and he would ask us one basic question. Why does your church exist? In other words, what is the unique work that God wants to do through your church in your community? Just like God has a, a unique purpose for your life, do you believe that? God has a unique purpose for each church. We are not all supposed to be clones of each other. It's great that other churches, the church next door in the parking lot, they're different from us. We don't need to be like them. And it is there is no purpose in comparing ourselves or competing with other churches. Paul said that to the Corinthians, that those who get caught up in comparison and competition are wasting their time. Because you see, God can bless them and us at the same time. There is no shortage of God's resources. So we can just say, God, what do you want to do through this church and through our lives? And I believe we have seen just the outreach that this church has done to families, to young children, to all homeless and the shelters. It's really been a big part of the outreach of this church. And the work that happens in this church is to make disciples. If this church would be a place for you to grow in the love of God, not just to come and be encouraged once a week and go away. My job is to irritate you by God's divine grace. You like that? Each week I have to smile and poke at you a little bit. As I've said before, what's the pastor's job is to, is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. You remember that? I stole that. As pastors call that research. If you're troubled, I want to comfort you this morning. But if you're comfortable, I need to trouble you. The church is not like just building a wall and there it is. We've got it set in place. It's more like a garden that needs constant tending. It's healthy, it's growing, there's fruit on it, but yet the seasons change 
and we need to tend it. So it's constantly changing, and it took me many years to learn that lesson. And I talk to pastors. Most of you know that I I coach pastors, and that's a big lesson for pastors to learn. They think, I got everything set, and now it's not working. What's wrong? Well, you thought that it should stay like you put it in place. I got the workers. I got the program. There it is. I don't have to think about it again. Nope. The church is not a set and forget. It's constantly changing. So let's pay attention to what the Lord's done this year. And that tells us something about where we're going. It tells us why we exist and what changes we need to make to prepare for what's coming. And we have the assurance that God is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What is next for your life? No matter what difficulty you've experienced this week, you have the assurance that God is with you and he's working. Do you believe me? The conditions are that you love him and that you want his purpose to be worked out. So in your panic, it doesn't do you any good to grip on and control. The process is just to let go and trust the Lord. If he's making changes, you have the assurance that he's working things out. Whatever that is. Philippians 4, I want to talk about three promises that Paul gives to the Philippian church, who has been a struggling church, some internal problems, some external problems. But he gives them three more promises. Number one is the promise of the peace of God. In the middle of what's going on, we have the promise of the peace of God. Second is the promise of the power of God to meet, to meet our needs and to give us strength. And third is the promise of the supply of God, the provision of God. So the, the promise of the peace of God, look with me. I'm going to read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You might go back and read that every day. Because not only is the promise there, but the process is there. The process is things are going to come to your mind that cause you anxiety. Well, I know that's going to happen this week. And then I'm going to react to that, these things that worry me, that I don't want to think about until January, but I really need to think about them now. What's my reaction? To panic? No. It's to 
cast my cares on the Lord. It is to tell the Lord about it. Now, he already knows, but you need to talk to him about it. And in talking to him about it, you need to do it in an attitude of thanksgiving. Why? Because God is at work to resolve these things with thanksgiving. Why? Because God is at work to bring a solution to the things that are worrying you. Worry had crept into the church at Philippi. There was some debate, some arguing. You see there at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4. And we always tend to react to whether somebody says or a difficulty in circumstances. And you have to train yourself not to react, except to react in prayer. So, and you don't have to stop and get on your knees and pray for an hour. Just say, Lord, what are you doing about this? Lord, what's going on? You could be doing that all day. You're just, you're just keeping the lines of communication open. Now, the Greek word for anxious there in verse 6 means to be pulled in different directions. That's what anxiety does. It pulls at you and pulls at you, and you don't know which way to go. The old English root word means to strangle, and that's what anxiety does. It just chokes the life out of you and gives you anxiety. We can be worried in our thinking, in our feelings, about the circumstances or people. Now, here's the thing. I can't change my feelings. We're so caught up in feelings these days, aren't we? And we tend to think that if I feel it, there must be some truth to it. Now, our feelings are valid, but our feelings can lie to us as well, can't they? Amen? I need more than this section to say amen. Thanks, Jackie. Say amen. All right. Jackie's priming the pump for us. We have feelings for a reason, but you don't just go with it. You can give in to your feelings and go down a, down a road that you don't need to be going. But what I can control is my thoughts. And which follows which? Do my thoughts follow my feelings or do my feelings follow my thoughts? Biblically, your feelings should follow your thoughts, not the other way around. My feelings have a life of their own, but here's the thing. My feelings are a reaction to my thoughts. So you, you might say, I can't control my feelings. Yeah, I agree, but you can control your thoughts. You can control your thoughts. That's why Paul says in verse 8 and 9, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think over and over 
on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We have the promise of the peace of God in difficulty, in our crazy emotions. How do I get peace when the circumstances aren't changing? I think I will have peace as soon as these people get their act together, or as soon as the money comes in that we need, or as soon as the circumstances change, and that is not the peace of God. That is you being happy in reaction to circumstances. Hap means chance. Chance is how you feel based on circumstances. The peace of God is not a reaction to circumstances. It is the gift of God that is in spite of circumstances and in fact is in the middle of difficulty that you can't you can't answer you don't know where this is going and yet the peace of god surpasses understanding but i want understanding it messes with my thinking i don't uh, it's almost like i don't want to have peace until this is worked out. And so I'm going to go around and cause trouble and stir up people and irritate people. How about God just gives you peace in the midst of difficulty and you trust that he is working all things for your good and for his glory. Second, we have the promise of the power of God. Verse 11 to 13, I'm going to read. Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have the promise of the power of God to enable you to be content. Now, how did Paul learn to be content when he abounded or when he was abased? That means he had, he had plenty of his needs met. He had money or he had no money and he's in a prison cell. How do you learn that? Wouldn't you like to learn that? Let me see your hands. I know you think it's a trick question. How many of you would like to learn to be content in every circumstance? Okay. The way you learn is by going through all these circumstances and discovering that it didn't kill you. You need to go through going without. It's okay if you don't have everything you want. There was a time in my life when everything was failing and I didn't have money and I couldn't buy my kids Christmas presents. And I had to, my, one of my daughters, my middle daughter, Allison in Medford, um, still has a dollhouse that I made her out of scrap wood in 1992 because that's all I could afford to get her. 
and she still has it. I would, there's nothing in my notes that says cry right now. <laughs> you have to go through those seasons of not having into, to learn how to, you learn that God is with you, even when you don't have. You learn that it's not going to kill you. It's not going to wipe you out. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. When I was going through that season, when I was 34 years old, I was probably, it seemed like more than ever, I was trying to serve the Lord with my whole heart, and yet there was a financial lack in our family's life. And in my mind, that didn't make sense because I thought, Lord, don't you see how much I'm serving you? Why aren't you providing for me? And it exposed something in my life at that time. It exposed a works mentality that I thought I deserved better. So that when God provided in abundance, I knew that it was completely because of God's grace, not because I was so awesome. You learn to be content and not to think, oh, God hates me or God's forgotten me. Now, Paul is going to go from town to town, from church to church. Some of the churches he ministered to had abundance, and some of the churches he went to were, were poor churches. Philippi was a poor church. And yet when Paul was in need, they helped him financially more than other churches who had riches. When I quit my full-time job six years ago as the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Portland, and I was going out to minister to churches, I was in this place of completely depending on the Lord. And it's quite amazing to look back in the past six years. At this point in my life, being a frail old man, um, to see how God's provided for my family. It was quite a, a test for my wife. I don't think she's watching right now. She's with the grandkids at home. And we both just look, we talked about it this week. We look back and say, wow, the Lord, the Lord has always provided. We have the promise of the power of God whether you're abased or abound, you might be in a, a season right now where you're really lacking. Just pass through it. Be content. Don't live in fear and anxiety. I love 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 through 10. Paul says to the church at Corinth that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. <clears throat> he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, supply, and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It's amazing. 
The third promise is the promise of the supply of God. The promise of peace, the promise of God's power, but the promise of God's supply. In verse 19 of Philippians 4, Paul says, uh, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is it that you have need? I know in this room, some of you are, needs are different. It could be financial need. Could be need in your, in your health, your physical health. It could be just in other, a job. And if we have the assurance that God is working all things for your good and for his glory, I want you to think about what is God in the middle of whatever difficulty, what are the blessings that God has done this year? How many of you can think of three things this year that God has done in your life? You should write those down. They're not just things, well, that was amazing that happened. They might be clues to what's coming next. How many of you have an inclination of what God might be asking you to do in the next year? You're not making eye contact. Do you feel like the Lord is kind of putting something in your hearts and saying, I want to do this? <clears throat> yes. You might not be certain, but you might have had a thought. What if, I have a crazy idea. What if this happened next year? You should write that down. And not that you have to completely go for it or make it happen, but put it on your radar. Maybe the Lord is preparing you for something. And the big question is, if you see what the Lord is doing in your life and you see where he's going, the question is, what changes need to happen in your life to move in this direction? What changes need to happen now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about, do you need to repent of sin? Now, you might, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just things that you're doing that need to get more in line with something that God wants to do in the coming year. And as we wrap up the service today, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for our church that we are doing and you are doing the very thing that God has been preparing you, you to do. And as scary as that sounds, you know, you want everything to be safe and secure. And let's not upset anything. The safety is not in having every detail worked out. The safety is having your life in the Lord's hands. Because here's, here's a bombshell you need to write down. 
you're not really in control of your life. You know that? You're not in control of everything. Now, you are stewards and managing a lot of your life, but you're not really in control of everything. You're not so put together that you can prevent any upsets around you. I have learned that no matter what state I am in, I don't mean Oregon or Washington, no matter what condition I'm in, good times or bad, God is able to work in my life and God wants to work in my life. We're not waiting for difficulties to pass for God to bless you. God can God is not restricted by the circumstances you're in. And I watched God even use the worst of circumstances in my life to push me in a direction I didn't want to go. Now that's what you need to know about me is I'm terribly stubborn. And because I'm so stubborn, God makes me uncomfortable, so I have to move. I think it would be much better if if I would just see it and cooperate, but I'm not really like that. I don't like change. I like security and stability and everything to be worked out. And God goes, that's great but I have some things to do. So let's get moving. And so I went through a Job season in my life where God took everything away and he essentially made me leave California. And the only reason I don't still live in California where I grew up is because God stripped everything away from me. And I had to go somewhere else. And I can't imagine not having the life I have now. Pastoring Calvary Portland, working with churches and pastors for the past six years, being here with you in Albany. As we say, let go and let God. Let the Lord work out his purposes for your life. Let's stand together. Now, As the lights have come down and no one can see you. Am I talking to you today? Do you think the Lord is speaking to you? Yes or no? Yes? Do you want God's purposes for your life next year? Absolutely. So as scary as that sounds... Let's together ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do.